Jerry Fragon and Doug Tom, they work for Taylor Fragon Capital Management. All opinions expressed should not be relied upon for your individual investment advice. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Taylor Fragon Capital Management and its clients may maintain positions in the securities discussed. If you're a Taylor Fragon client, please remember to contact Taylor Fragon in writing if there are any changes in your personal financial situation or investment objectives for the purpose of reviewing, evaluating, or revising our previous recommendations and or services, or if you would like to impose, add, or to modify any reasonable restrictions to our investment advisory services. Welcome again to the Long Only Podcast. I'm Doug Conley, and I am with Jerry Fragon. Hi, Doug. Hi, Jerry. How are you doing? I'm well. All right. So we're going to get right into it today. You're fired up today. You are fired up. You're fired up yesterday, too. I was fired up. Was it yesterday? Well, I mean, in podcast land, based on when these are released, who knows? But the last one, the last one. Yes. You're still, whatever it is, whenever you recorded the last one on ESG, you're still coming off that, that high or low. (laughs) (laughs) You have a glow of annoyance about you. It's still, still, um, I think it's going in the right direction. It is going in the right directions. It's righteous anger. And today we're going to talk about how, uh, how, I mean, again, we could be talking about it any days, but we happen to have a few pretty good days for us in the markets and the market in general. Mm-hmm. But and we can't get too you know high or low on that because obviously what, what can be done can be undone as we as we know fully well. Look at the Trump economy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so what? Uh, but rumors of the there's signs of life, broadly speaking. That seems to be the uh, that's the hot take in the office at least. Mm-hmm. So. Why do you think that rumors of the economy's demise might be a little bit premature? Well, I think first and foremost, you know, our data points are actual conversations with companies that we have. Every quarter we talk to our companies to find out, our portfolio companies to find out, you know, what's going on. Um, you start getting to a point where yet another quarter goes by and, oh, wow, earnings were actually pretty decent. Um, companies are talking about some pretty good things that are happening while at the same time, understandably in this world of, uh, you know, fear over liability, they, they're, they're very, I don't think there's a company out there that's not warning of the quote unquote macro headwinds. We've talked about that. Um, it's almost like a requirement that they, they underscore that and, and kind of downplay, Oh, things are going well, but Oh, look out for, you know, what's heading macro headwinds that we're about to face. Eh, But that's understandable. But uh, it it appears that we're hearing about we we hear about those things. And certainly there's some indication of slowdowns, particularly in Europe, who has all but committed suicide because of their insane energy policies. Um, And even they are now realizing that um, may not work. Careful. We we may take that as a challenge. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But. You know, under, underlying it, it looks like things might not be quite as bad as everybody thinks. Now, before, you know, we get jumped on with, you know, inflation is, you know, running amok, which it is. And, you know, there's all kinds of bad policies. There are horrible policies out there. The fiscal policy situation is about as bad as it could possibly be, um, or at least as bad as we've seen in a long time. And I don't think there's any necessarily any any help coming there but it it just coming from there anytime soon but as we look at how companies are dealing with this it just really highlights what we've said so many times over the years well-managed companies in front of fertile fields of future growth to sound like a broken record they figure out a way around dick taylor's 
you know, statement, we get by in spite, was, was directly related to times like this. Um, powers that be are going to screw things up. That's what they do. And companies figure out a way around it. And that's what they're doing. And so I think that the, the, um, by no means are things rosy out there, but I also think there's a sign that things might be being considered as too negative or, or you know, that, that um, you know, that there's this, this fear of the next recession, if you will, is, is maybe being overstated. Well, you're, you're not one to make market, market calls and things like that, and this is the low things. That's not how we operate. But you have put your money where your mouth is, it seems, and we're a, a mid-cap and small-cap uh, company. And when, it comes to, when push comes to shove, that's where we gravitate towards. Do you think we're on the, the, we're on the cusp of a really big shift away from the fangs? Well, yeah. I, well, look, we've always been biased to small and mid-sized companies. We won't avoid a large company if we think there's something unique going on there. But more and more, we're not finding the unique yep. things in large companies. We're finding them in smaller and smaller companies. It's not by creed. It's by practice. It's, it's by so, practice. Yep. Exactly. And, and, and so that's, it's always going to be that we're going to bias towards smaller companies. And look, just the law of large numbers, it's, it's easier to grow a smaller company than it is a larger company. Now, that being said, we think that there is an inflection happening here where, and, and when you speak of the fangs, I think now it's fan mag, what is it? Facebook, Apple, Netflix, I think Microsoft, Google, Amazon are all in there. Um, those companies we think might be running into some serious difficulties where they've been getting, and, it, and it's not just them, it's the extension of them to a lot of these companies that received massive amounts of funding, funding as private companies, um, from venture capital um, funding losses. Now, granted, granted, the ones I just mentioned are not necessarily all losing money. Um, in fact, some of them are not. However, there's been there's this bloated infrastructure, particularly labor infrastructure, where um, you know these companies have paid massive salaries to people. Um, frankly, who who um, in a lot of cases, it's a question out there: What are they really doing? You know, we've heard some of these stories out of the social media companies of people who have been, you know, quote unquote, working from home. And we really hammered on the working from home to some extent in our last podcast. But where these these people are supposedly working at home and you hear, you know, stories of, well, yeah, you know, I've probably worked four days out of the last month. You know, I think that's starting to these companies are starting to buckle under that pressure. And there's signs in the marketplace that smaller companies who haven't had that bloated infrastructure and by the way has suffered under the inability to find help because of the ridiculous amounts that these companies were paying certain employees um, that now that's starting to come home to roost and those companies that live in the real world those smaller companies living in the real world who have who have stayed sane in their expense infrastructure are now in a position where they're actually able to charge less for their products and services than some of the big companies, which lo and behold, that's a real um, departure from what we've been seeing and experiencing, frankly, over in recent years and the last couple of decades, for that matter, where these larger companies with these digital global footprints um, supposedly were able to, uh, you know, were, were supposedly able to 
um, just destroy their smaller competition because of their efficiencies. Well, it turns out they may not have been all that inf- efficient, particularly when it comes to the infrastructure for labor. So um, it, it, we, we think that there's a sign. There are signs that you know smaller companies that are not caught up in the wokeism of these large companies, for one thing. Um, and we we hear that all the time from them. It, it actually, I, let me rephrase that. We don't hear about that kind of stuff from them. Um, you know, that's that's relegated to these you know, kind of uh, larger than life giant companies, gigantic companies that, you know, supposedly supposedly can get away with with um, thinking these great social thoughts in, in the in the in the real world where business really happens. And by the way, most of the economy gets driven by these smaller companies. Um, I, don't, I don't care what anybody says. Most innovation is happening in smaller companies. Um, most employment is with smaller companies. Um, those those companies we think now are really um, starting to shine. And that's really kind of oxymoronic because I don't think most people think that's the case. Look, and, and it's, a, it's an, another sign of the, 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 the greatness, frankly, of, of, of business being able to get by in spite and, and well-managed companies functioning uh, in an environment where you would almost think if you look at from, uh, from a policy standpoint – that that power, uh, you know, policymakers have been doing everything possible can to destroy small businesses. Whether that's the case, I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that that's the case. But by their actions, thinking they're doing good, they're they're hurting these companies, and yet these companies are figuring out a way to to not only get by, but in some cases thrive. Well, one of the big ironies of the market is that things turn when you least expect them to. That's why they turn. I mean, that's, that's why you bought them out because it can't get any worse. So it starts getting better. And one of the things you were talking about with our uh, director of institutional sales, James, was the fact people are starting to ask for bonds now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, the discussion about bonds is, is coming into the equation more. Um, I had a question about uh, inflation protected securities uh, yesterday. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of the sign that, you know, maybe we're getting to the point where, quote unquote, risk assets have kind of had their the, 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 the pounding has been so relentless that now we're getting to the point where, um, you know, people are just talking about, well, how can I be in something that's, quote unquote, safe? Well, the answer is the answer is you, you never can. <laughs> um, but, you know, usually when when those kinds of things happen, um you know, it's a sign that there's an, there's another inflection point. And so, yeah, I think, I think we, we, it's getting a little bit long in the tooth. I, I said this, you know, as recently as yesterday and as long ago as a few months ago, frankly, that to, to our research group, that I think we might be starting to see the, you know, the beginnings of the end of this drudging that some of the the best growth companies in the, in the, in the world, frankly, have been getting hammered with, and, and I think there, the signs that that might be the case is even stronger now. Um, look, I don't think this is going to and I, I don't think it's going to be an immediate step back. And I don't think that would actually be a good thing. I think it would be fine for us to spend a year or more kind of just building this base, you know, a little bit of back and forth um, and allow these companies to prove yet again that, you know, when, when they're growing their revenues, 20, 30, 40, 50, sometimes 60 percent. Um, and more, uh, and um, are proving that that is actually where the growth is. That eventually, the fundamentals do kick in. Um, I've said so many times, as crazy and, and inefficient as I think the market is on a short-term basis, over time, 
the fundamentals will shine through. And if we're in the right companies, if you're if you own the right businesses, the ones that are able to to continue to innovate through these kinds of environments, then you're going to the prices are going to take care of themselves. The craziness of volatility, and we can talk about why things are so much more volatile on another podcast. I think that's in some ways criminal, but um, neither here nor there. We can actually benefit from that because we don't care necessarily. We do, but we don't care about what's happening on a second by second or even a day by day, week by week, month by month, quarter by quarter, or for that matter, year by year basis. We're looking at things over five and 10 years and longer. Um, And from that standpoint, uh, we're pretty pleased with where we are in our portfolio holdings at this point, both on public and private companies. The you would think that of all of the all of the items, the financial engineered things that are out there, that the Treasury inflation protected securities would be holding their value up. And oh, and they are. And and so, but they aren't. Some of them are. I'm looking at some. I've, I've seen some things that they're still losing money. Depending on kind of how you look at it, are the are the tips well, really the, doing pulling the tip, their weight? Tips, tips prices get adjusted for the loss of purchasing power, so um, it's a, it's a it's a tricky security. I think a lot of people don't understand that that's the case. So um, it's not that the interest payment is going up because of inflation; it's the value of the security. So it's it's complex, and could be a whole another podcast talking about tips. And by no means are, will I hold myself out as an expert on oh, tips. Clearly, I'm not either. I um, did, but, it just seems like they aren't doing what you'd expect them to do right now in terms of protecting you from the inflation. Uh, well, no, no, prices have gone up. And I think that's part of the reason why it's 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 questionable as to whether, you know, is it, is it time to be jumping all in on tips? Because they've had that. Now they've had some increase in the value because of the, um, you know, because of their adjustment to price due to loss of purchasing power. Um you heard it, Jerry say go all in on tips. Well, but there's cross currents on that because meanwhile, the dollar against other major foreign currencies is rallying like crazy. Um, not because we're doing so great here, but because they're doing so much worse uh, as far as the way they've been managing their system. So that's, yeah, it's not necessarily a good thing to be the best in a, in a, in a portfolio of horrors. Um, but that's kind of where the U.S. dollar is right now um, versus most other major foreign currencies because they've just been handled so much e- so much worse than ours has, if that's possible. And it, apparently it is. Well, one of the things, just something you thought of or I thought of when we were talking about the FANG stocks was this is a complete aside. But uh, back when the FANGs were just the FANGs. Yeah. Uh, I remember hearing. <laughs> Which originally was Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Google. Yep. I think. Yep. Yeah. And then they, uh, an investor uh, bought actually a stock called Fang by mistake. <laughs> Thinking yeah, that was yes. what we should be buying as the Fang. I don't know. For all we know, it might have done better than uh, what the regular <laughs> Fangs. <laughs> it was definitely more morally run. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that without even knowing what it is. So if it weren't for policy and the lack of good policy, what would you be talking about right now? Well, I, I, what know, would your focus that, be? I mean, right now, that's that's tending to gravitate a lot of our concern is the bad policy that the governments are doing. Well, and I think that's what I'm saying is really what we should be focusing on is, um, you know, minimally invasive procedures and from, you know, in the medical world and medical devices that are doing those types of things. Um, blockchain and distributed computing, you know, displacing centralized con- 
controlled public cloud companies, the life after Google, um, the you know, continued uh, you know, amazement that, that we have for certain companies that are able to, in the consumer discretionary place that are able, space, excuse me, that are able to um, grow in really unique and innovative ways. Um, you know, you'd think that that's, that sector or that realm of the marketplace uh, would be kind of washed out by now. I mean, hasn't, hasn't everybody come up with every new fandangled way to run a, um, you know, retail operation or whatever, but it's, it, it amazes us that we still come across companies that do things, you know, quite, um, quite uniquely, quite in, in quite innovative ways to be able to sell their product and service. Um, the digital transformation narrative where companies that were non-technology companies adopting technology. I mean, that's one of the biggest software stories out there is how software companies that are helping um, non-technology companies go through the process of, shall I say, digitizing their business is a major theme. So those are things that, that we have all have been focused on. There's been a major distraction in the last few years with all of this policy stuff that's gone awry. But it's time to really focus back on that because eventually those things will come to play, come in, come into play. And, and um, you know, as long as we've stayed focused on those types of narratives that, that seem to really have taken hold and are, are coming to fruition, the better off we're going to be. If, if, if we were to be suddenly taking our cue from, you know, the Fed of all crazy things or policymakers and what they're doing in D.C. Or, or any other, you know, capital in the world, we'd be in big trouble. And that's that's and or um, if we were merely focusing on on the day to day machinations of the market or the, and, the, and the stock prices of those companies that, are, you know, that we are in um, and start thinking that we need to, tr- you know, trade based on the movements in stock prices, that would be a death sentence. So, um Staying true to the to the discipline, staying focused on those narratives that looks like not only um, have a great future, but that's starting to happen right now. Or, or, and it is happening, not just starting. It's, it is happening. In some ways, it's, it never stopped. At the risk of sounding like a fad investor, what does this mean for crypto? I think the shakeout that's happening in crypto is another healthy kind of wringing out of the excesses. You know, what we, what we saw happen in crypto over the last couple of years is that the institutional quote unquote institutional investing world um, got into crypto. And, you know, it's a little bit of a, be careful what you wish for. You want that, that institutional acceptance to, to be able to, you know, make it a legitimate long-term story. However, we find out more and more that the institutional investors are the most fickle in some cases. And I think a lot of folks don't have, didn't have any idea why they were even doing, you know, playing in that that crypto world, the the underlying, as I mentioned earlier, of, of distributed computing, blockchain, all the the promise of what that means from the standpoint of squeezing intermediary costs out of the system, of providing higher layers of security and transparency, those are all still in place, and so and, and so I think um, crypto will come out just fine on the other side of this, and I, I will note that that there's going to be a few winners in this it's you know there's there's there were thousands of tokens and you know probably will be thousands more maybe not um, but could be thousands more i mean at the end of the day it's probably going to come down to a handful that do that provide really valuable platforms 
to be able to drive this new ecosystem. And more and more companies are going to be, I think, are going to be adopting strategies around this just because it makes sense. I mean, it's it's and it's a it's a it's a furtherance of the the life after Google. I mean, this is a this is um, enabling. I hate using this term. I wish we could come up with another one, and there probably is another one. We'll have to think about it. But the democratization of um, you know, just about anything and everything out there from the standpoint of removing an intermediary that's been in a block in the way of, you know, let's say artists, designers, creators to be able to get their products and services out there to the world. Blockchain and, and distributed computing provides a path to that. I can finally get my poetry out to the masses. You might be able to and benefit from the long tail. Exactly. And we... Just always expect it to be easy. And I think that I know I'm as guilty of this as everyone else. It's not like I've been loading up on crypto. I certainly haven't sold any. But how easily can you just see someone, the the masses kicking themselves over this long buying opportunity for crypto? I think, uh, and then yeah. it, we can just we can just see it. On it's going to happen. I think that's going to happen. I think it is happening. I mean, um, yeah, there will be a moment somewhere out there. Two, three, four, five years from now, people will be going. Same thing with with growing companies. So, wow, yep, what a time it was during that debacle to be accumulating, and and that's one of the reasons why I, I kind of hope that we don't see a massive, complete, dramatic turnaround. Although it's entirely likely that that will yep. be the case, because I'd like to be able to see a period of time where where we can accumulate some of these assets. Um, I don't think that's a world we live in anymore. So it's probably, you know, the bell will probably ring somewhere at some point and there will be a re-rating of all this and, and you'll blink and, 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 you know, the portfolio is up, uh, you know, hundred, hundred, 200% and, you know, crypto, you know, block, uh, Bitcoin's back at, or making new highs, 70, 80, 90,000 a price and on its way to a million. And, you know, We'll look back and go, wow, that was a heck of a, of a spot to be entering all, all these different narratives. The only thing that doesn't change is it's just never easy. So I shouldn't say yeah. never easy. It's not e- it's it it eventually stops getting easy. I mean, at some point, the music stops and you've got to get back to reality and you've got to actually buy these things when uh, and, and, and I guess I will say this. If you do buy just in the hopes that everything is going to go straight up it is never going to be easy because mm-hmm. you're going to be constantly disappointed and you're going to be buying when things are going, things are going up and you're going to be selling when they're down and you're just always going to be frustrated because there's, there's no, there's no discipline. There's no pain that is required for, for investing assets. Just don't go straight up. Well, they don't. And I think that the perception on the part of the investing public who might, you know, use people like that, us as a, a path to figuring out what to do. Um, have this misconception that somehow, you know, just because we buy it today, that means it's going up from air on out. I mean, that's not the way this works. Um, you know, there are times when things are particularly on sale and you can, it's, it's more obvious. And I think this is probably a time like that. That's not to say it's going to immediately turn right back. Like I said, and it, and it may take a little while and I'd, I'd be fine if it did. Um, but the idea that somehow, you know, we know that because, you know, we, we can buy it today and we know that we're on the path to success immediately. That's that's just not the way it works. Um, again, if it were that easy, you know, we wouldn't have a job. 
All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode. And as usual, you can find us at taylorforgone.com. Rate us on iTunes. We appreciate that. Subscribe. There's actually, I actually spent some time getting the subscribe button on our company's website. So are we, are we going to do a podcast on like rock and roll or something or you, you mentioned something like this once. And then I said, yeah, let's do it. You said college football. And I said, okay, let's do it. And I, and then you said, I don't know if Is we can tie still that a in. college football. I mean, it, not as you know it when <laughs> this college football still exists. I was in, when I, I was in Austin this weekend, as I said, the last podcast and a, while I was there, UT, like every other school, had its uh, first game of the season, and the quarterback got his car towed uh, during the game. <laughs> now, the difference is, is his car was an Aston Martin. Oh my gosh! So um, yeah, well, and so you could be for college football exactly, and he could be public about it. You know, you used to, you used to have to at least if they ha- had an Aston Martin, you had to hide it at least a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, at least from the press, or at least mm-hmm. you had to be on good enough terms with the press that they could talk about it. Yeah, and the uniforms are still there, so. We'll see. All right. Well, we will see you next week on the Long Only Podcast.